Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, four-time Olympian, seven-time Olympic medalist, Emily Seabom. <laughs> Hi, how are you? have you on uh you're on day eight of of your two-week quarantine how's that going so far uh look it's a lot easier than last time when I spoke to you last time I was like in the hotel and I couldn't leave and like was getting no fresh air so at least I can go outside like lie on my balcony in the sun get a nice tan um which is quite nice but obviously it is really hard like it's hard like coming from the Olympics, not being able to see your family straight away. Like that's the first time that's ever happened. And the first time, like obviously where we haven't had family at the Olympics as well. So I haven't seen my family since I left uh, for our training camp in June. So it's been a long time. So I'm really, really ready to go home. Um, Really ready to see some people and be able to hug people again. And um, kind of like go out celebrate a little bit because that's something we haven't done either so yeah I'm looking forward to all those things yeah I can't imagine going to an Olympics and having this kind of success that Australia and that you personally did and then like not being able to go party like you just have to like I guess I'll go to my hotel room (laughs) yeah I know it's weird it is very weird also here Um, in Howard Springs it's completely like no alcohol at all so we haven't like we most of us like haven't drunk for like months because a lot of us like don't drink leading into the Olympics as well so you know by the time I get home the smell of alcohol will just do it for me I think (laughs) just the fumes (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. I won't need I won't need a sip I'll just smell it and I'll be like all ready (laughs) let's go Uh, (laughs) that's that's pretty funny the so how do you how do you like are you able to cook i've seen i've seen pictures of people making coffee like do you make coffee or do you have to like order everything or do they just like bring you like here's what you get yeah so basically i've done a couple on my instagram of like food that we've gotten um it's all like pretty much like we get breakfast and lunch at dinner time so at dinner time we'll get a hot we'll only get one hot meal a day so that's dinner. So that comes in the brown paper bags. And then it'll also come with like the next day's breakfast and lunch. So normally for breakfast, it's like, I don't know, they'll give us like a bread roll with some jam and stuff. And then like, um, like one morning we got a focaccia, like we get different things every day. Um, but now that we've done a week, so basically one week is like all different food. And then the next week we get all the same thing. So now we know like what we're getting every day because we've already done the first week, uh, which is really interesting. So I feel like this week might drag on a little bit more because we're going to get the same meal options that we did week one, at least like with week one, we didn't know what we were going to get. 
Um, but like, apart from that, like we do have lots of snacks. We can't cook at all. Um, like my partner tried to buy me a toaster and they wouldn't let it through because, um, they're scared that you're going to burn your room down or something. I don't know, (laughs) but yeah. So no toaster, no microwave. Uh, we have like a little, like a bar fridge, um, so we can get like, so we can get food in, like we can like order from like Woolies or Coles, like a supermarket and get groceries in. So like I got a few like fruits and stuff in because we don't get a lot of like veggies, like no veggies at all. I've barely seen any veggies since we got here. Um, and we'll get like one piece of fruit every day, but sometimes it's something that you might not eat. Like it's for me, I don't eat oranges, but we keep we keep getting oranges. Like I've had that many oranges and I'm like, Jesus. So I got like some fruit in and stuff like that. But apart from that, like, it's like pretty standard. Like from what I've posted on my socials, people that, um, people that have stayed here before, they're like, Oh, that's exactly what I had when I was there. So I feel like it's very standard and they just do the same thing all the time. When people, when other people are like, that's what I had when I stayed there. Does that mean like when they were quarantining there or is this a place like the people travel to to visit? No, 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 no. When people are quarantining here, this is specifically designed for uh, quarantine. I think before it was a quarantine place, it was a detention center. So that that doesn't make me feel great, but we got to do what we got to (laughs) do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, I think obviously it's not ideal but coming from the United States, I think that's kind of cool how seriously you guys take it. Oh, very seriously. Very, very. seriously. <laughs> yeah. um, and are you able to, to interact with people pretty, I mean, I know you can't like go to other people's little huts, but is, yeah. is, is the human interaction doable? It's actually really good. Um, so basically you have, I don't know what you guys call it in the States, but we call it like little demountables. Like they're just like um, little like tin rooms. So like I'll have one room, but there's also like three other rooms in the same little housing block. Okay. So we all share the same balcony as such that there's like a red line on each balcony. Like you're not supposed to go across the red line. Um, So that's how they separate all the rooms. But like I'm next to Emma is next to me. And then Jess Hansen's on the other side of Emma. And then after that, we have Jess Coronas, one of the, um, one of our biomechanicalists that was on the team. And then on the other side, I have like another four people and like, we're all kind of in a courtyard. So we can all like hear each other as such. So I'm quite loud. So like I yell out stuff all the time and people just respond from wherever they are. So <laughs> The, the interaction with people is really good, which is something that was really hard for me last time, just in a room by myself and I couldn't interact with people. So this is so much better. Like we are so grateful that we are here and like not in a hotel. Um, and it's also kind of nice that it gives us an opportunity to kind of relax after the Olympics. Like normally when we come back, like it's go, 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 go. Like we have so many things that we have to do. So this is actually just giving us a chance to relax, but like we are ready to go home. Um, but it is nice that we do get some time to ourselves as well. Cause that's probably something that we don't normally get. 
I was, I was talking to a couple of the other guys who are also in the quarantine and, and like, they were explaining that to me and I was like, dude, like every Olympian should do this. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just cause the Olympics are like such, such a high, I wouldn't know. Yeah. I've never been, but I assume <laughs> from what I've heard, you know, it's like, you have such a big emotional high and then, and then normally you would, you would leave and, and go be with people and go, go, go and yeah. do all this stuff. And it's like, you don't get time to reflect and to sit on it and just to yeah. kind of process everything. Yeah. I think normally like with an Olympics, like you live up here for so long and then because you're up here for so long, you really crash. Yeah. Um, whereas this has just kind of been a slow um, kind of like decline. Mm-hmm. Like, so it gives us an opportunity to reflect and, realize what's happened and what we've done and then you know we can go back you know hopefully like in this time too that we've done a lot of the media that we would normally do when we first get home anyway so when we actually get home to our family we can actually have that time to not do anything the more i'm the more i'm discussing it the more i'm like this is how it should be we need to do it we need to do this after every olympics (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah, so it's, it's certainly an interesting situation. I'm, I'm guessing it's the first time you guys have ever done it, but um, wow. So, so on to swimming, on to the actual Olympic part of it. Um, getting to training camp for you all was like quite the, quite the doozy, right? I don't know for you personally, but I mean, because you still had to deal with a lot of COVID restrictions, I think. Yeah. Um, well, we finished our trials in Adelaide in, uh, I think it was like June the 18th. And we were supposed to have like a couple of weeks at home before we headed up to Cairns. Um, but uh, COVID started getting really bad again in some of the states. So they started locking down. So basically we heard through the grapevine that there was going to, that Brisbane was going to go into a lockdown. And if that happens, like we can't train, we can't travel. Um, There's so many restrictions on what we can do. So we basically had 24 hours to get out of the Gold Coast and get on a plane to Cairns. And it was a week earlier than what we expected. So I was in like full panic because my house is in Brisbane, but I train on the Gold Coast. So I'm like, well, you got to like, let me know real soon because I got to go home and back. I was like, I don't have anything here. Um, so that was really hectic. But once we got there, we could chill um, a bit and we were very lucky where we were, had no restrictions. So we could train and do all the stuff that we needed to do. But obviously we did have to live in that bubble. So we weren't allowed to go to the shops. We weren't allowed to go anywhere with other people like it was basically you know as soon as we came to that team we were like together and we couldn't really separate from that but I think with that that made us really connected to each other because we didn't have anyone else that we could rely on we could only really rely on the people that were there to have that you know face-to-face contact and that's something that's really important to a lot of people so I think that made the team so connected. And I think that's really a reason why we did so well is because we had such a bond with each other. Yeah. I, you're, you're doing a great job at giving like the full 360, like, well, this is the good, this is, this is the bad parts about the situation. But these are the positives about this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you guys were together 
was it for seven weeks, six weeks? Um, yeah, I think by the end of this, it'll probably be almost seven weeks. Okay. So wow. a long time. Like, I think a lot of the a lot of the states as well, they had to leave earlier. So I think the people from Perth, because um, they because WA had the biggest restrictions, they've been away from home for like a hundred days or something, like something ridiculous, and like. You know, I had chats with them. I was like, if I was you guys, I'd be crying every day. And they're like, we just can't wait to be home. I'm like, oh, I'm so, I'm going to be so happy for you guys when you get there. But like, you know, we sacrificed a lot to go to these Olympics, but we feel so blessed that we actually got to go because like, even when we were in our training camp in Cairns, there were still reports saying like, it's not going to go ahead. Like, you know, the, the Japanese don't want it. Um, so it was kind of crazy because we were just like waiting to see, I guess what was going to happen. But I think as the team, we were just so adaptable to the changes that were happening all the time because, you know, we were leaving Brisbane in 24 hours. Um, you know, then we went into Tokyo where still things were like very uncertain of how things were going to go. Like what's it going to be like in the dining hall? Like, is there going to be too many people? Are we going to have to eat most of our meals in our room? Like we didn't know until we got there. And I think that's something that we were really good at was being like adaptable to change. Yeah. I, I don't see how you, I guess you would have to be right. <laughs> yes. There's so many moving parts. Yeah. Um, so just just going into that training camp, um, from a physical perspective, how were you feeling about where you were at in the water and, and where you were, how you were moving through that? Yeah, I mean, I think this one was really hard because it was the first time for me doing the five weeks um, at an Olympics. Like we had our trials obviously in June and then we only had five weeks to kind of make a difference. And um, I think for me, I was just like, I really wanted to improve on what I did in Adelaide. And um, it's hard going back into the training because it's like, oh, do you like go real hard again and try and peak back up and then taper back down? Or do you kind of go like a little bit softer than what you were before and then taper down a little bit more than what you were doing for Adelaide? So I think that was really interesting. That was something that, you know, Bowley had worked really well on. Um, you know, being able to obviously adapt to because I am like 29, like I'm not a spring chicken. So some things like my body just like, it's like, okay, you've hit your limit. You need to rest a little bit. So I think even like leading into Tokyo, there are a few days there where I was like, oh, I'm really sore. And he'd be like, okay, session off, like just instantly like have the session off. And I was like, oh, you know, for me, like that's hard to do because I'm very much like I like I don't really listen too much to my body. That's probably like my only downfall in my career is that at such a young age, I was like very much in that kind of training environment where it's like, you know, you've got to do well even when you don't feel good. So for me, like I feel like that's so drilled into me that as I've gotten older, I still do that because that's like autopilot. So that's probably like my my only downfall as an athlete is not being able to listen to my body like well enough and like really kind of be confident with the fact that if I do need to rest, that I've got to rest. Like sometimes I'll like go home and I'll do like a cool workout or something. And I'll be like, well, this isn't really resting, is it? 
So yeah, it's really interesting. But in saying that, like in Cairns, like I, there was a session where I, like, it was just ridiculously hard. And me and Emma laughed every day because Bolly would keep saying to us, oh, this is the last bulky set that you'll do. And then the next day we did an even harder set. And I'm like to Emma, what? Like, am I losing it or is he losing it? And she'd be like, I don't know what he's doing. And um, there was one session in the second week, like before we left to Tokyo that I was like, surely like we won't like do another hard set. And then like a harder one came along and it was so hard. I puked everywhere. Like it was ridiculously hard. I mean, I got out and I just, I think Bolly was like talking to me and I was like, I was like zoned out and I was just like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sick. And then I threw up like by his feet and he was like, was that a hard one? And I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. Are you, are you someone, I think we all know, we all have teammates or we all were the teammate who, who has a tendency to puke at practice where are you someone who like that happens a lot or was like that a true sign of like, okay, now I'm, this is, this is pushing <laughs> me past my physical limit. Yeah. I mean, it's happened to me a bit. It hasn't happened in a while though. So that was like, that was a surprise to me. And, um, like, yeah, it was just like a really intense set. And it was just like, I can't even remember what we did, but he, like, Bolly was loving it. He he would bring it up in Tokyo. He's like, remember that set you vomited? And I was just like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's intense. Yeah. Uh, and that was, like, what, two weeks out? One week out? Yeah, that was like two weeks out. Uh, and he he just kept saying, like, he was always like, you know, you've got that 200, like, later in the week. We need to keep working on that. So, like, the 100 was kind of, like, on the back foot and the 200 was really where he was like, this is yours, you've got this. Like, so we kept working, like, pretty hard, like, through cans, mostly for that 200 because it was, like, later on in the week and we knew that you know, when the 100 came up at Tokyo that I wouldn't be able to do a lot of hard work between the 100 and the 200. So he really wanted me really like, yeah, I would say the 200 for him was like, that was the goal. The 100 was just kind of, the 100 was going to be so tough. And um, I just didn't have as like as much speed as those other girls did. The 200 was really where I had worked a lot on. I think, you know, coming back from after COVID when we had all the lockdowns, I think my endurance was just so good that he was like, oh, the 200 is more your event at this stage, which is interesting. Like as you get older too, being like more of a 200 swimmer than a hundred swimmer, because I think a lot of people, as they get older, they get shorter and shorter and shorter where I've just kind of gone up to the 200. That, that is quite interesting. How do, how do you feel about that? I like the 200 only because you have so much room to, to change your position. Like I, I didn't realize that I turned seventh in the hundred of the 200. Like um, I think I, Bolly was like, oh, you went out too slow. I was like, well, it's the final. There's nothing I can do about it now. It's done. Like I'd won the bronze already and he was just like, oh, you went out way too slow. Um, but, yeah, I didn't realise that I'd turned seventh. Um, so from seventh to finish third, like that's a massive change and I think that's why I like the 200 so much because I feel like it's more strategy 
than what the hundred is. The hundred, it's just like, you know, all out, you've got to go for it. There's no room to play around with it. Whereas the 200, you can really have fun with that one. Fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, bronze seems very fun. So we, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> so then heading into the meet, um, this was, this was your fourth Olympics, which is an incredible achievement. How, how did you, you talked, you, you mentioned the chemistry of the team and obviously being, you know, corn, not quarantined, but having to stay so close, kind of, kind of brought the team together. Was, was it, I'm sure every team is pretty unique, but was, how would you describe this team compared to other Olympic teams you have been a part of just heading into the meet? Yeah, well, I think it's so different. Like when I first made the team, I was, uh, my first Olympics, I was 16. So I felt very much like a, a young kid with like a bunch of adults, if that makes sense. Like I just felt like, um, not that I didn't belong because everyone was so lovely to me, but I just felt like a little bit out of place, like um, just because I was so young. Um, but being on this team, I didn't feel like I was so much older than everyone else, which was nice. Um, like everyone is very, very much like, oh, like I need to do this for me. This is this is mine. So we're all so individual, but we all had the common goal. Um, so being together in Cairns, we were like so connected. And by the time we got to Tokyo, we just had such a good bond with each other. Um, and I think because we couldn't have family and friends there supporting, we kind of took the role of being each other's family, if that makes sense, in, in a way. Like we were like each other's brothers and sisters because we couldn't have anyone else there. We were, we were so intertwined with each other. Um, sometimes when you do have the family there, like sometimes it disconnects you from the team because you're spending more time talking to them or, you know, you're trying to catch up with them between events. Um, but because there was none of that distraction there, I think it just made us, um, yeah, so connected to each other. In saying that, like we all lo love our own time. Like we do have our own time where we just completely shut off and go to our rooms and we don't really have to talk to anyone. But whenever you do want to talk, there's always someone there. Yeah, that, that does sound really nice. Again, you're given you're given the whole 360. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> did, did you have roommates or suite mates? Yeah, so I did. So I was lucky. I, I did have my own room. Um, but in saying that, like I had um, Emma next to me, I had Jess Hansen and I had Jenna Strout as well. So my room was like a quite a nice room um, because Emma was on fire. We were just having a great time. We're just like, every time Emma comes in, we're like, whoa, Emma, like, you know, and Emma's such a quiet person. So she just kind of walks in and just smiles and then goes to her room. Um, but we did have like a coloring competition going on. Um, so we like, I think we started like uh, just before comp started, we all started coloring in different patterns and stuff and we'd put them on the wall and we decided to have like an art museum at the end of competition. So everyone's art was like numbered. I think we had like 22 pieces that we'd finished in the end of the nine days that we were racing. And then we had people come in and vote for the number that they liked. And we wanted to see like who would, 
who would win the art exhibition that we had. So that was that was something that we had on the side that was quite interesting. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> did you win? I didn't. I came second. Emma won, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is is Emma is Emma an artist? Are you an artist? Do you guys? I wouldn't yourselves? say I'm an artist, but I thought mine were the best. To be honest, like I really thought mine were the best. And the one that Emma won on, I thought there was like a little bit of copying going on, but that's just me. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> Um, okay. Very cool. So last, when I talked to you last, you told me this awesome, amazing Olympic story about getting a bicycle. Oh yeah. In 2008 in Beijing. (laughs) Um, was, was there, was there any comparable experience in Tokyo? I'm guessing probably not. (sighs) Yeah, we did try. We did try to have, um, as much fun as we could, Obviously, like it's really hard during COVID and the Aussies were, um, they weren't strict, but we were very careful with what we were doing. Like, you know, when we were going to the dining hall, like we were going there, we were eating and we were leaving. Like we weren't hanging out with lots of people. We were trying to really um, just connect with the team. And that was kind of all we were really not allowed to hang out with, but we just wanted to be really, really safe. Like the Australians had their own gym. Like we weren't allowed to use the village gym. Um, We had our own recovery center. Like everything was like really very much like, you know, we stayed in our building a lot of the time and we didn't really venture off like the swimming floor. So the swimmers were on level six. So we really didn't go anywhere else but our level or to the ground level to get food or to the dining hall or to the bus to swim. Like we didn't do much exploring. I think like the last morning after swimming, we did like an all nighter where we didn't sleep just because we thought we want to go home and like sleep so good. So we ended up just staying up talking the whole night, you know, girls, like classic girls. But anyway, at like I think it was like five o'clock in the morning. We were like hungry. We're like, let's go get breakfast. Like it's five o'clock. We ended up just getting pizza from the dining hall, eating that. And then we went down and um, there was like where the rings were. There was like a a park there. Um, We sat on these like, oh, they're like child's like rock type things, but like soft. So like kids can like, um, like crawl over them and like climb them and stuff. And we all like were like laying there and watching like the marathon runners going around. And we like for like five minutes, we were just like, whoa, every time someone ran past. Um, but apart from that, that's pretty much all we did. It was like an awesome night. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Um, and that's, uh, again, it's, that's pretty cool that you guys are so considerate and careful with this global pandemic because not everywhere in the country that I am in is always like that and it's sometimes concerning but that's that's pretty cool um you said you had your own gym were people lifting during that time um I think people were so we could book out the gym um like before we left for Cannes, like before we left Cairns to go to Tokyo, like we were going through and like booking times that we wanted to use the gym. 
I don't think many of the swimmers use the gym a lot, but there were a few that did, maybe like half the team. Um, I don't lift only because it makes me really sore. Um, so I don't lift. Uh, I think the last time I lifted was like in cans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like a bit of time. So I like about like just over a week where I don't have to lift anything only because it makes me quite sore. Um, but I'll in saying that, like I'll do like core stuff and yoga and, st- and Pilates and stuff like that instead of lifting. So I'm still staying like really connected with my muscles, but I'm like trying not to get that soreness. Makes. Yep. I hear you. Makes, yeah. makes total sense. Uh, so let's, let's, let's get into the meat. Uh, what, what was your first event in Tokyo and, and how did you feel heading into that race? The first one for me was the hundred back and that was day two. Um, it was like, I'm really lucky that I had Beijing. So I kind of knew what to expect with like the finals being in the morning. Also, I'm a huge morning person. As you can see, it's like 6.30 a.m. here. So like I've been awake since 3.30. Like I'm, I don't know why, but I'm buzzing today. Um, but yeah, so for me, like I found that really easy. Um, And I think for me, like I just had the goal, like every time, you know, I did a heat semi and final, I just wanted to go better each time, which I did in all my events. So I'm really happy about that because sometimes people struggle being able to go better each time. Also did better than what I did for my trial swims in Adelaide. So that's also really like positive for me because I did only have five weeks to find improvements. Um, like the hundred was really good too, because I was like, I think 0.2 off my best time ever. Um, and that was back in well 2012. And then I think 2015, I think I went 0.03. There's like a little dog behind you. It's so cute. Sorry. I'm so distracted. I haven't seen my dog in so long. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's rude. Um, <laughs> very cute. Um, so the, I was really impressed with the hundred. Uh, I think that heading into that 200, I did the 200 heat, which was that the night before, obviously, and then the semi the next morning. Um, And then I had the medley relay heat to do that night. So I did find that uh, really hard, like the two, two, one, two. Um, I think I did really struggle with that, especially because that, 100 was super, like that relay was late at night, quite late. I think by the time I got back to my room, it was around like 11.30. And like, Mm. you know, I like to kind of get up early so you can just kind of wake up, have breakfast and not be like a bit drowsy. Um, So that was probably the thing that I found probably most challenging. And I think it's just, you know, a side effect of being, a bit older and being around for so long that I can't recover quite as quickly, especially from those 200s. Um, but for me, like, you know, I use all the recovery methods that we have available. Like I use the ice bath, I use massage and like I have Normatec with me when I travel. So I use that as well. So I really like to stay super recovered because um, I think that's so important, especially at the you know, at such a older age of swimming, if there's such a thing. But I think the interesting thing for me was 
Um, I found it hard to go to sleep at night, um, especially after swimming, only because I felt so like wired. It's not often that, you know, you do a really hard thing so late at night. So I think that made me um, quite um, wired at night. Like I was not, I think between the 100 heat and the 100 semi, like I can show you, I slept two hours, I think like two hours 20. And I guess for me, like I'll show you, like it was bad. Like it was so bad, my sleep. Um, But I think for me, like I just tried to like, not worry about it. I'm like, whatever, like whatever happens, like it doesn't, doesn't mean like anything's going wrong. Like, I think you've done all the training already. Like the sleep's not going to matter. Like I think at 3am I was like, well, if I'm not going to sleep, I might as well do something to recover. So I did Normatec for like an hour at three. And I was just like, whatever. Like there it is, like two hours, 49 or something. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. I know. Like, yeah. And like only an hour and a half of that was good sleep. So yeah, it's pretty crazy, but it's just like when I sleep, like when I am racing, like I do have trouble sleeping because of like performance anxiety as such, but um, I don't let it deter how I'm going to swim. Cause I think it really has no, it has no real reason to affect my swimming as long as you wake up and you're like awake, then I don't see a problem with how much you sleep because as long as you can like switch it on. And I think that's why all my age group swimming where I don't listen to how my body feels has like also been a positive because a lot of people would be like, Oh my God, I haven't slept. So like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't swim this morning. I've only slept two hours. Whereas, you know, I just rocked up to the pool and like, I don't think anyone knew that I only slept two hours. Yeah. that's really interesting I've never talking to a lot of athletes I've never understood how you sleep at a big meet because there's just like you said you're just buzzing like there's so much going on you're so wired yeah it's it's but then it's also it blows my mind it's like and you can still swim fast on like two hours of sleep like yeah I would be a wreck (laughs) Uh, but it's, I, again, you, you said it like, oh, I just don't listen to my body. And then I go, yeah, fast. but like, imagine if I had caffeine, like that's without any caffeine. Like I don't drink any caffeine. Like if I had caffeine, I don't think I would sleep for like a week straight. Well, so you're, you're caffeine free. Yeah. I don't, I don't do caffeine. I don't do tea. I don't do Red Bulls, like Powerades as much as I go. It, power <laughs> does, power doesn't have caffeine right i'm not like yeah i don't okay. think it does okay <laughs> it's it just has the name which sounds yeah. energetic you That's- have you tried caffeine and did you try it and you're like nah or you just never got into it i've i've tried red bull before um but i just don't think it makes much of a difference and i'm like i'm a super energized person so i feel like i personally don't need it like I feel like when I get on it, I just get like more jittery and like, I don't, I don't need that feeling. Like I'm good with that. I feel like everyone I talk to in Australia is like, oh, coffee here is so good. We do coffee so well. Like, do you feel, (laughs) do you feel left out ever? Uh, Sometimes I like when it's winter, like it's good because I can get a hot chocolate and it looks like a coffee and then I feel like I'm part of the crew. But apart from that, like when people say they're going to get a coffee, I'm like, okay, I'll do my thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> cool. See ya. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so, so let's um, tune back. You get to the morning of the final. Like you said, you're coming off of that medley relay prelim swim. Yeah. How, how were you feeling? <laughs> I, you might not know because you don't pay attention to your body, but how are you feeling heading into that mentally and physically? Look, I won't lie. Like I was pretty tired. And um, like when I got in the water, I didn't feel like great. I didn't feel as fresh as what I did um, the morning before when I swam the semi. But again, like with me, like I just completely zone that out. And I'm just, I just tell myself, like, it doesn't matter how you feel. Like it just doesn't matter. It's actually funny. I'll tell you a funny story from the semi, right? So from the heat to the semi, Bowley said to me, like he said that morning, he's like, what do you think will make the final? And I said to him, like, I said two or eight low will make the final. And he turns to me and he goes, you're joking. If you think 208 is going to make this final, you're going to be sitting in the grandstand. And I'm there like freaking out. I'm like, what? He's like, you're going to have to go what you did at trials to make this final. And I was just like. Which was what? Where did you go at trials? I think I, I went 206.3 at my trials or four. Okay. Like, Yeah. And he was just like, you're going to have to go what you went at trials to be in like the top pack. And I was just like, I was freaking at this stage. I was freaking out. I was just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like I thought to a low would have been like really good to make it through. Like that was my opinion, but he just completely like shattered everything that I thought. And then he was like, you're in the first semi, so you can't relax. You have to go hard. And I was just like, oh, my God. And then when I touched and um, I think it was like 207.0 or 207.1, and then I watched everyone else swim and I just went back and I was like, well, do I like high made the final, so you were wrong. And he was just like, oh, well, like if you think you're going to go two or eight, you'll probably go slower than that because that's what, what you think. And I was just like, well, I went a second faster than what you think. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I was I was laughing about that with Emma. It was just so funny because he just was like, he was like, no, why is that going to make the final? Like he completely threw me out. Like I was like, oh, oh, okay. Jeez, I'm going to go harder than what I think here. Um, but yeah, like heading into that final, like I was like, I won't lie. Like I was tired. Like my body was feeling it. But as soon as I got in that warm up pool, I was just like, okay, doesn't matter how you feel like completely like zone that out, you know, just did the same warm up that I did from the um, morning before. Actually, I think Bolly like took um, some stuff out of my warm up from the following morning. Cause he was like, Oh, you did the hundred last night. Like you're pretty, like, you don't want to cook yourself too much. Like you'd still want to save some for the race. And I think like when I got out there for the race, like when I was swimming, I think during that first 50, I was like really cautious of like trying to save myself. Um, Cause the way I swam it at trials, I really kind of went out pretty much as like 150 max and just tried to hold on that last 50. And I um, had been talking to Bolly after that and he was really like, um, okay, you need to go a little bit slower in that 150 because we still want to have some oomph in that last 50. So we'd really spoken a lot about how we were going to swim it and it really needed to be a slower 150 than what it was at trials. But I think 
when I got out there and like listening to my body, I was like, okay, I need to save a little bit more um, because I felt like that first hundred after the first 50 and into the, the first hundred, I was kind of like, okay, like I didn't want to go much harder than what I did because I think I wouldn't have had that much at the end like I did, but I could also see both of the American girls next to me as well. So that was really handy to have them right there, but also it was really hard because obviously Kylie was outside of that and Kaylee was on the other side of that. So I had no idea where they were, but I had the two Americans next to me that I was kind of pacing off. And I know they both swam really well to make the team. So I was like, oh, if I'm staying with them, then we're around that like 206 low, 205 high kind of mark. Mm -hmm. And I think um, heading into the 150, I was like, okay, like kind of building into it. I think like that was something me and Bolly had spoken about, like building into that 150. The, that last kind of 50 because you don't want to come off the wall and kind of have to go hit it really hard you want to like be able to build into the turn and off the wall and um that was something that I was like totally thinking about the entire time I was like building into that wall and then off that wall I was just like okay like whatever you have left just chuck it in and I just I just felt like I was just throwing bombs I was just like oh, I'm feeling this I was feeling myself like there was no tomorrow and that last 50 and I was like whatever happens here like I'll be like so happy and I could see um both Americans on either side of me and I I I thought I had it like for from a while back before the I reckon by the last 25 I thought surely I've got this um so then like when I see it back I was like shit it was close like it was so close like it could have gone either way there but in my own like head, in my own lane, I felt like I had it. Well, obviously that's all that matters because <laughs> you, you got it. <laughs> uh, but go, going into that, was, was did it have any effect on you? Not, not only making the final, but being the top seed? Not really. Like I was a bit like, oh, Bolly, like you, you've got me in lane four now. Like that's not where I wanted to be. I wanted to be a sneaky assassin, not like right in the middle. Um, but I, yeah, like I feel like I've been in that, that lane so much. Like it didn't really phase me being in that lane. You know, like I, I had Kaylee who was, you know, the hundred champ and I had uh, Kylie Moss who was, was so strong and did so well in the hundred as well. And I know both of them had such a strong 200. So I, I would have rather been closer to them. Um, I think Kylie really led that hundred out. Like she was, I think double O she turned in, like she really like went for it. So I think maybe if I was closer to them, it would have changed my race plan, which maybe wouldn't have worked for me anyway. So I think where I was, was where I needed to be because it really just made me focus on what I needed to do and not what was happening around me. But who knows? Thanks, Bolly. <laughs> uh, so can you take me through then you, you touched the wall, you knew you had it, <laughs> yeah. uh, but wh- what did you, re- what did you process first? Was it, did you see the scoreboard? Did you see the time? Did you see the place? Did you immediately look at to Kaylee or to Kylie or to someone else? Yeah, I think my first reaction, I looked at the board. Um, Normally, like for some reason, normally when I swim and you touch, you kind of look at your block because they light up 
if you come first, second, third, they have the light that lights up. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. you noticed that, but the, there's a red light that comes on. So, you know, like which lanes the winners are from. Okay. Um, so like normally, like when I swim, I would just be like, is my light on? Like, that's a good thing. Like, if your light's on the block, like you, you've done well. But yeah. I didn't even look at that. I think I was more concerned with the time um, than like where I was placed. And I think like it wasn't until like I think it refreshes and it's like then it goes in order of like first to last that I really <laughs> noticed where I was. And I was like, I think I was hugging Kaylee and she was like, don't cry. And I was like, why am I crying? Like I was in, I was in so much shock. I didn't even like realize, like, I think I didn't even realize I was third really. Like I just felt really good about it. Um, and yeah, she was like, don't cry when she was hugging me. And I was just kind of like, I think I said to her, I was like, I think I'm in shock. I don't know what's happened, to be honest. And um, yeah, it wasn't until I got out of the pool and like one of the like one of the volunteers was crying because I like I know her. Um, and then then I was kind of like, oh my God, like, okay. <laughs> then I started crying. And then by the time I got to seven, I was a blubbering mess. Like it was just ridiculous. And I don't normally cry. Like my boyfriend was like, you're he was like, I was crying because you were crying. I was like, I don't even cry normally. Like, I'm not a crier, but I was in, I was in tears. Like, I don't even get it. It just like hit me. And I think like, you know, when it's been five years since an Olympics, I, you know, I've had five years to wait after I was like top seed in the hundred and the two hundred for for Rio. Like, I've had five years to wait to get an individual medal, you know, I haven't got that since London 2012, like that's so long, but you know, it, it just goes to show that that opportunity doesn't come every time. And when you get that opportunity, you're just going to be so grateful for what you get because yeah, it is so rare. Was, was that a big goal of yours coming in? Uh, I mean, obviously it's not something you can necessarily control, but was it something that was just kind of, you know, obviously I, I want to medal or was this like, I really want a, an individual medal? Yeah. I think like everyone kind of goes to Olympics and you just think like, okay, gold, like that's all you see is you're like, I want gold. That's it. But again, like you said, like you can't control what other people have done, what how other people are going to swim when they get to the Olympics. Some people swim above their expectations. Some people swim below their expectations. And um, you never, yeah, you never really know what's going to happen until you actually do the race. And sometimes, you know, sometimes in elite Olympics that have gone before us, the best time throughout the couple of years hasn't won the Olympics. It's just a person that's able to do the best race, handle the pressure, um, deal with, you know, lack of sleep or not eating the normal foods or anything like that. It's someone that can, can be super adaptable. And I think, you know, going into this Olympics when, um, this sounds so bad, but when Regan missed the team, I was like, there is a real opportunity for, you know, meeting it on that metal podium. Like there is an opportunity there and I have to take that opportunity. And I think I trained with that opportunity in mind, um, definitely being like, there's a spot there. I can take that spot. I want that spot. And I think, you know, when it all comes together and you execute the race, how you think it's going to go and you get that position, you're just like, oh my God, it's like a dream come true. Like, honestly, it sounds so cliche, um, but you know, like I'm just, 
grateful because I know that opportunity. Like you have to really work for that and it doesn't come just because you're ranked number one. I, this, this Olympics in particular, watching it, it was a really cool thing to see a lot of those non-gold medalists seem like they appreciate those medals a lot more or, or yeah. were able to celebrate those medals a lot more because, because of that extra year and because of what the whole world has gone through for the last 12 months. And so it's great to hear your perspective on it. it and again, it's just, it was really nice to see everyone get to celebrate whatever, whatever they achieved, just because like you said, the opportunity was certainly not promised and it didn't, doesn't yeah. come around often. And, and we, we actually got to, to, to have it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think it is really like a once in a lifetime opportunity sometimes. I mean, I've been incredibly lucky that I've been to the Olympics four times and this is only my second individual medal. And it's just, it, sometimes it blows my mind that, you know, like I can go from 2012 to 2016 where I completely got nowhere and then, um, you know, come back in 2021 and do so well. Like that's such a big difference of time. Like how I can be able to kind of like go on an uphill rise is just, yeah, it's really, really great. I love it. Yeah. I mean, congrats on that. That is, that's super (laughs) cool. Uh, and, and then, uh, of course, can, can you take me through the medal ceremony and, uh, and getting to present Kaylee with her gold? Yeah. Well, when we were in the medal ceremony room, uh, like the room we go out before we then go out uh, behind the podium, I was like thinking, um, cause Kirstie commentary was actually giving our medals for the two back, which was really cool because I raced against her. So I thought that was like almost like a full circle. I was like, we're doing a full circle here. We've got Kaylee who's winning. We've got me still swimming and we've got Kirsty doing the medals. I was like, wow, this couldn't be any better. Um, yeah, I turned to Kaylee and I was just like, oh, like I would really love to present you with your medal, like if that's okay with you, because I knew like no one was physically able to do the over the head part they were just kind of like presenting the medal in front of you and you were picking up and putting it on yourself and I just thought that was like a really lovely nice thing to do because I train with um Kaylee's sister Taylor who's been on the team a few times as well and I really know how much Taylor would have wanted to have been at the Olympics with Kaylee and being you know whether it was on the team or or in the stands cheering her on like I um was tagged in a lot of stuff that Taylor was doing back home and I just felt like I wanted something that they could like almost like share a little bit um so I felt like I was doing it for Taylor um and I guess because there was no family there and we felt like each other's family, I I felt like I was doing it like for my sister. So it was just a nice moment that we got to share. I had no idea like Kaylee would tell me to stay on the podium with her, but she was like, you deserve this just as much as me. Stay here. Don't leave. Like she was like, don't get off off the top. Just stay here with me. Yeah, she was really bossy about it. And I was like, are you sure? Like, are you sure? And she was like, yes, just stay here. And I was like, okay. Um, that's a, 
it's a really special moment. It, it, it sounds like such a cool thing that you guys got to share. And obviously you both worked for it and, and earned yeah. it. And yeah, I mean, and seeing, getting to watch that was, was very cool as well. Just again, an Olympic moment that, that doesn't happen too often. Um, yeah. And probably won't happen again. Like, to be honest, like there's not many opportunities where they don't present medals for like yeah, to you. Right. So, you know, that was something that we get to share and we get to remember as our Olympic moment. And honestly, like probably one of my favorite Olympic moments that I've ever had, like being able to do that. Like I've never been able to, like, I'm never going to say again that I present an Olympic gold medal to an Olympic gold medalist. Like that's, pretty unbelievable uh like in in a race where you won a medal oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? that too, that like, too. <laughs> the medal bob is awesome yeah yeah i mean it's just yeah there's a lot going on there um <laughs> so to, to to kind of close this conversation out um you know obviously you had a lot of really cool success at those games but to see australia perform in the way that they did to me was so fun and so cool um to i mean you guys had a lot of expectation coming into this games and like fully lived up to it um which yeah so doesn't happen it doesn't doesn't happen all the time right no uh so coming again being a four-time olympian you know you've seen the the ups and downs of of team australia's olympic performances um how have how has that sat with you how have you reflected on that um in the past week or so yeah i think you know going from my first olympics i think you know i had such a great experience with that and i was so i was kind of like a racehorse like had the my blinkers on so i didn't really notice like negativity around it but i feel like the last two have been like extremely like not extremely, but like pretty negative coming back. Like we haven't had quite the reception as we're having this time, which is like, I'm like loving it, to be honest. Like I am absolutely loving it. Like the fact that that it's just such a positive feel and everyone is really um, getting around us and supporting us so much. Like it was fantastic. And I think most of it is due because Australia was in some quite heavy lockdowns while we were competing at the Olympics. So I feel like we were giving Australia like something to cheer about and celebrate and still enjoy life. And we are just like so completely grateful that we got the opportunity to represent Australia because it is a once in a lifetime opportunity representing Australia at that high level like an Olympics. And we honestly, we do wish we could have had our family and friends there, but I think maybe that could have changed the way we performed, who knows? So we are so lucky that we did that and um, we're lucky that we do compete for Australia because we love it. It's our favourite country, of course. Um, but, yeah, like I think that definitely helped that I, uh, Australia was in a lot of lockdowns and I think that's why they enjoyed it so much because they could see we were enjoying ourselves. And I think who doesn't love someone enjoying themselves? Like no one wants to see a couple of sad faces on TV. Everyone wants to see some smiling faces. And I feel like that's all we did the entire time was smile and laugh. And I think it was just so infectious that it spread. I mean, obviously you had some good races. I'm, I'm now I'm kind of reflecting on like all the great 
races that Australia had and, and that they won. Did you have a favorite to be in the stands for as a fan? Uh, I was in the stands on the last morning, so the medley belay morning. I just think that blew my mind. I've never seen Kate Campbell move so fast off the blocks before in my life as she did in that relay. We were all like, oh, my God, what is happening? Is this Kate? Are we sure? Because normally she's quite slow at reacting, but she was, I think she was 0.04 or something. Like she was so quick. We were like, oh, my God, this is a new girl. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh i mean that that was such an exciting relay obviously as an american a little sad but it's like i can't i can't even be that sad again because it's just like it was such a good race and and it's a, and like and getting a silver medal is like a great achievement you know oh so i feel like any achievement like i feel like just being there was such an achievement like going like for us to last five years to go from one Olympics to the next Olympics. Like that was, I won't lie, that was a hard slog. Like that was a long time. But then it makes you think mm, three years, not that bad, really. Like when you think about it, five is is way harder than three. Three is almost like doable. It's almost like, oh, next year will just come. I, that's, I, I, I feel the same way. You know, it's like, oh, it's right around the corner. I was talking to yeah. someone about this and they're like, three years is actually like a really long time. But if you're a swimmer, it's like, oh, three years, that's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Emily, it's, it's so great getting to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and digest your Olympic experience with us. Any parting thoughts before we sign off today? Um, I mean, I would love to see a dog again. I'm craving to see my dog, so. She's there. <laughs> I don't, Ruby. Did you see oh. that pop up? Yeah, I can see her. So cute. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I hope, I hope corn, the rest of your quarantine goes well and that you're able to get home and see your dog in no time. Me too. <laughs> You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.